Hello and welcome back to Fill Me In, the podcast where we cannot wait for 3.05 p.m. on April 8th, 2022, the year of our Lord. My name is Mitch, a.k.a. Mitty, and I am a Phillies fan who shares a body type with one Kyle Schwarber. My name is Gordon, and I'm a Nick Maton apologist. Yank my chain and call me Andy because I am a Yankees fan who, some, for some reason, volunteered to get on the horn with these bozos and learn about the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies. You're going to be better for it, Andrew. So let's not, you know, let's keep the name calling to a minimum here. You know, I think we have a cordial respect for one another's baseball clubs. Did I, what did I say? You called us bozos right from the get. Oh, I call everybody. That's a term of endearment. Okay. Well, fine. I would not call somebody I didn't like a bozo. Happy opening day eve to those who celebrate. Any traditions? Any opening day eve uh, traditions that you guys keep in your homes? I have a, f- <laughs> I have a full-size Louisville slugger that I put under the pillow. <laughs> yep. I paint the blood of the 2020 Phillies bullpen all over my house to keep me safe. I wait up until midnight so Father Baseball can come and visit my home. And I don't, he delivers me great baseball gifts. Is this like a ghost of baseball past, present, and future situation or what? I'm hoping just baseball future. I don't think I want baseball past in our case. I think we're amongst the most losingest clubs of all time. So I'm good with no ghost of Christmas. Christmas. Ghost of baseball past for us. I'm good with that. Didn't they make a movie about that? The ghost of baseball past? Are you referring to the field of dreams, Mitch? Maybe. Okay, hold on a second. We talked about this last year around the field of dreams game that occurred but have you not seen field of dreams well i mean define scene uh (laughs) what a bizarre command uh it was on a screen and your eyes i watched the game it It was it was yankees and white Sox. i saw it i'm not the future film okay i am glad you asked about traditions though um, I took off of work opening day this year and I'm simultaneously proud of myself for doing it and also wondering if I should be ashamed that I took off for that and not like my anniversary, my children's birthday, etc. Mm. Yeah. No, I've done that. Doxed yourself completely. Now everyone's going to know. Well, hey, uh, it, this is about transparency. I like that. We're in the trust tree. We sure are. Uh, if you know, if it's your first time listening to us, I hope you're as excited for opening day as we are. And if you found our podcast, that probably means that you are a degenerate baseball fan, like uh, all of us unfortunate saps. To fill you in, so to speak, this is a podcast with two Phillies fans who are educating a Yankees fan on what's going on with the Phillies. Uh, he's clueless, but he's some for some reason he's interested. So. Gordon and I are filling in, Mr. Andrew. This is our lot in life. Hmm. Clueless but interested is like, I don't know, is that my memoir or my, like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to change my social media bios to that. 
it's good energy. Like, it's uh, yeah, people want to be around that. Yeah, I, I got to think on that. So this is the this is the pre-opening day episode. I'm excited for what you've got what you guys have prepared in in a way of uh, preview. Where are we starting? I think there's nowhere else to start but some, you know, roster breakdown here. We've completed a slightly shortened spring training down in Florida, and the Phillies have cut and trimmed and done all of the manscaping they needed to get their roster down to the (laughs) opening day size. And there's a couple surprises, a couple snubs, you might say, a couple injuries, things like that. But I think really just hammering out the roster is the best place to go here. I agree with you, Mitty. And, and you know, it's not the, the most logical place to start, but it goes back to my intro. And I just want to lament our good, good boy, Nick Maton, the artist formerly known as Nick Matone, who <laughs> was assigned to AAA. And uh, I'm just going to say this once and really quickly, Nick, I'm going to miss you, man. I hope to see you sometime later this year, not because of an injury, but because you're playing so well. So I hope you come on back. You batted 350 during the spring on 20 ABs. Cheers, brother. I can't wait to have you back with the big ball club. Dude, he's a ball player, though. I just, I just love his look. The way he, sh- he just he carries himself around the field, scraps, hustles, but he's got a little bit of swag with it. Um. I'd love not, to see him back up. I've not seen him him play. Is there a does that does his look have a player comp that you can think of? The look, I it's tough to say. It's like it's got the I'm talking talent or like or yeah, like just skills look. here. Just the look. He kind of gives me like a, a the grit of an Utley. But he's got Holy more cow. more like smoothness to it. I was gonna say something in between, like a Trey Turner and a Corey Seager. Like Turner is, is bias. No, no, Trey Turner's is the is the other mix for me. Mm. All right, I like yeah, that. I, as I said, Mayton apologist. I think he's gonna he's gonna get called up for us. The infield's too crowded. Ironically, even though our outfield is where all the talent is. He's going to get some time here this year, uh, one way or the other. And he, he showed off early last year. I think he will come up and have some more staying power this year. So cheers to my good friend, Nick Maton. Cheers. And, and Andrew, you'll know something about this, uh, assuming this has always been the case. But it seems like Girardi, and we know this, is heavily favors his uh, veterans. And, of course, any manager – Loves to see talent develop, but I think Girardi seems to trust more the established guys. Um, you know, that being said, there are some young guys who made this opening day roster, but we saw it time and time again in, in the previous two years, just guys like Torres getting much more playing time than younger players who could maybe benefit from that big league uh, experience. But Girardi doesn't go that way, so at, at least not lately. Yeah, no, that's nothing new. What is it with Philadelphia coaches? I don't want to spend a lot of time with Glenn Rivers, but like, what is it with Philadelphia <laughs> coaches loving their old guys? What is that? 
what is that? Is that a brand? Is that our brand? We're an old city, so we like old guys. Is that a thing? Like, why do we spend so much time in that headspace? Why not push uh, the guys out there? It's like a plumber's You're... union. <laughs> <laughs> well, a Seniority lot. I mean, rules. You got a lot of coaches that are boomers, so we'll start from there. Uh, and that my other theory is that a lot of coaches, especially ones that aren't like young and haven't just finished their grind through all of the different levels of the organization up to finally getting a coaching job or managing job, either one. I think those guys who have been head coaches or managers for a long time, I, my theory is they just don't really know that many players or like, they just don't know as much as they once did. So they rely more maybe on like, like the opposite of a recency bias. Hmm. I know they have all kinds of people in their ear telling them who's got what types of measurables and whatnot. But um, I just feel like that when it comes down to them making their gut choice, they tend to go back to that known quantity of the veteran, even if they're starting to slip in the, in their older age. Interesting. Well, we're playing all the, we're playing all the hits early here, but that leads us in a perfect segue to uh Ronald Torres, who will no longer be Joe Girardi's favorite substitution during the sixth or seventh inning this year, as he has not made the opening day roster. And so farewell, Ronald. I will miss you, uh, except for not really. And Joe Girardi, I'm sorry you won't be able to ruin games for us by putting in Ronald Torres <laughs> randomly and seemingly without any logic. But here's the thing, Gord. Uh, you just got done saying you're excited for the Mayton call up. So I just hope you know that Torres is getting called up before Mayton. Nope. Rebuke. It's happening. That's a strong rebuke for no, me. It's happening. Under the guise of Torres doesn't need consistent at bats. Right. If Mayton's not going to get consistent at bats up here, he's got to stay on the farm. That's absolutely right. Yep. Which has truth to it, I I guess, but Sure. You know, I just know that that would really get Gordon aside there. Well, using the farm analogy, I believe that Mr. Torres just needs to be put out to pasture. That's all. <laughs> dark. And not not like that dark. I just mean like from a baseball <laughs> standpoint. Let's I to be clear. Joe's uh, like Joe's like, like... <laughs> Dave. What happened to to Ronnie? I thought he was on the opening day roster, and Dave's like. Joe, we had to send him up to the farm. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be happier there. Oh my gosh! All right, let me hear Ronnie about this Toe depth is a chart. Very nice man. Yeah, go ahead, Mitty. Sure. Um, so, the uh, this we're recruiting, recording this on Tuesday, April fifth, and we weren't sure if rosters would be set by now with opening day for the Phillies not being until Friday. But uh, they announced today that the rosters are set, so we know who's going where. We know who's going to be there in Philadelphia for Game One. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll start off here with the position players. Catcher got Real Muto, of course, as the uh, the top catcher, and the backup to him this year to start is going to be Garrett Stubbs, who was a an offseason acquisition by the Phillies. I've he, he's um, relatively inexperienced but uh, just from the pulse of the fandom that I've seen recently seems like people uh, 
are excited about him in his own right. Stubbs. Uh, taking it to the infield, we got Hoskins at first base. That's that's my boy right there. Segura at second. Go all the way across the diamond. We have a smattering on the left side. Uh, but at third base, it's going to be likely Bohm and Camargo splitting time over there in, in some form or fashion. I don't know if it's going to be platoon or, you know, riding the hot hand, what they're going to do. But then at shortstop, we got D.D. Gregorius. And I guess technically as a short, listed as a shortstop, we have Bryson Stott. Uh, it's been a, a long-awaited arrival to the big leagues for him. He's been tearing it up at all levels of the minor leagues. We know that he is Bryce's guy. That's his dude right there. And Stott has just been killing it. So, I mean, I think it's uh, right on time for him to arrive here in the big leagues and let us see what he's got in whatever size of a role he's given here to start. And then taking it to the outfield where it's quite crowded with some big honking bats. Harper, right field, of course. Then we're going to have some combination of Castellanos and Schwarber in left field with the other likely being the DH. And then the center field, uh, likely platoon we'll have going on is going to be Mickey Moniak and Matt Veerling, uh, splitting time in center field. So, I mean, that's that's another young position for the Phillies. We'll have to see what those guys are made of. Uh, you know, I'm. It's it's really exciting to see, but you, I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Mitch, who's and the, how? Uh, who, sorry, how long is Odubel out? Uh, not long enough would be the answer I have for you. <laughs> Brutal. I was going to ask who Mitch on that list of outfielders is the oldest of the bunch. I have the answer. Ooh. Oh man. Uh, 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 Harper, Schwarber. It's Castellanos at wow. the young age of thirty years old. Harper and Schwarber are both twenty nine. That's and wild. Moniak and Veerling are like seventeen. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's a very good look for the future of the Phillies outfield. I'm here for it. Wow, that just makes me think how many how many <laughs> seasons Harper has played in the big leagues. It's ridiculous. Him and Bryce and Trout are going to break records just because they came up so early. Not just be I shouldn't say just because. They're both incredible ballplayers. But because they came up at 20, 21, like if they just keep at a, you know, at a normal pace, they're going to break records. There was somebody on the Phillies Reddit. Uh, earlier this week who was kind of thinking in the same vein Andrew who said uh, in my best uh, Phillies Reddit voice that I can muster here <laughs> the the only statistical comparison player wise to Bryce Harper is Barry Bonds which <laughs> is probably not a hundred percent true but to your point he's come up so early that's the only person that like is even statistically close to somebody who's doing something like that so that had me rolling uh, reading that that entire post this past week. <laughs> the only statistical comparison. That's really good. I like that that's what one. I'm going to put at right now. With the yeah, that, I'm going to do that on my resume. Like you know, the only statistical comparison to my business acumen 
is Steve Jobs. <laughs> Have you refused heard of to elaborate? Buffett? Yeah. <laughs> we looked at 49 variables. <laughs> and my profile is exactly the same as Mark Cuban. <laughs> my groundbreaking metrics that I've created on my own have me listed above. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. Um, from the outfield, which, to Mitch's point, is full of some major honkers out there. Uh, we go to the starting <laughs> rotation, which is just unbelievable. Uh, we are going to go with Zach Wheeler. Followed up by Aaron Nola, who will start on opening day. And I believe it's his fifth straight. Shout out, Nola. Followed up by Zach Eflin. And then behind him, Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson. So Nola, Eflin, and Gibson have all had uh, three to four spring starts here. We've seen a good bit of them over the course of the past couple of weeks. Ranger has not started across the spring, and Wheeler has been throwing in scrimmages. I believe he is throwing in an intra-squad, but he has not faced a major league batter yet this spring. He will not do so until this coming week. Uh, I got to be honest, these five dudes stay healthy. I like that. I like that. As a, as a playoff team, I like that. I'm not going to say anything too brash, but... Um, those five guys stay healthy, and, and, and we can we can compete with a lot of teams, I think. Yeah, I love it. That's going to be the key is the health, man. It's Eflin's knees. It's can can it's it's Aaron Nola's brain. And uh, f- for any amount of Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson either defeating the odds or defeating Father Time, uh, any of those need to just add up here for us to have a successful season from our starters but then you look at the bullpen of who made the squad um you know our, our boy coonrod was hurt so he was not on this list uh, for right now but um Knebel, familia brad hand dominguez alvarado who's also hurt but made the squad brogdon damon jones and then we had a mix of these three bailey falter nick nelson andrew i appreciate and Christopher Sanchez. Um, I'll say this. Uh, Nick Nelson's looked incredible this spring. Uh, for whatever, you know, 20 games or so is worth. He's looked great for us. Um, whereas, uh, you know, former favorites of the pod, people like Brogdon, uh, you know, did not look so good. So there's there's an interesting mix there. I also look at that group. Kniebel has, has looked quite sharp uh, and is as billed. So we will see kind of what comes together from this crew. But um, I just feel like ball clubs have to navigate some level of dealing with injuries in the course of a year. I'm curious to see who ours are going to be. And are they going to be these, you know, 60-day stints? Or are we going to be able to kind of avoid those major things and, um, you know, just do some some 10 days or whatever in the interims here? Because – even this group, uh, Bailey Falter, I think, has a chance to step up this year. If Nick Nelson repeats the spring status, he's looking solid. And then the, um, you know, frankly, Sir Anthony, which we gave a little bit of content to to last time we were together. But very intriguing stuff from this bullpen. And I think that you could make a really strong case that we could go seven, eight, nine um, between Kniebel, Dominguez, Alvarado, and then whoever else. Uh, and that's I, that's worth banking on, in my opinion. Yeah, it sounds did you just, to me. I'm sorry. Did you just say that's worth banking on about the Phillies bullpen? 
Well, again, don't want to be too brash. First of all, Citizens Bank Park, and yes, I would like to bank on those three guys. Now, Alvarado, is it's Walk City, so, you know, we we didn't make the point. Everybody's been joking about the Phillies' defense, but if we can limit walks from our pitching staff, I don't think the defense is going to matter quite as much. So that, to me, is one thing I'm looking for, especially from the bullpen, is can we limit walks in medium and high leverage situations? Those walks give your defense no room for error. No, really, no pun intended. I didn't even mean to say that. I'm serious this time. Um, but <laughs> but it just puts like a lot more pressure on when there's constantly base runners. And then, and, you know, and yourself, like as the pitcher right. too. It's just like as a as a reliever pitching with men on. It, it's. Yeah, you don't need to do that. You're putting undue pressure on yourself. You know, you're going to fatigue easier because every pitch means a little bit more because there's you're worrying about this guy or whatever. Yeah, it's true. Um, Andrew, could you provide us with a Nick Nelson scouting report? Ooh. Yeah, he has been in – I think he was in the Yankees organization for a long time. I'm not sure if they drafted him, but he'd been around for a while. He got major league innings in the past two seasons, not a lot of innings. He was, um, I want to say, it was like, you know, something like ten appearances both seasons. Um, it's the classic. He's got good stuff, but he's got to put it together. My my anecdotal uh, scouting report would be like the the putting it together is like he has to actually perform and do it when it matters. So like, you know, he'll be in three game, three, seven, nothing games that the Phillies are winning and he'll pitch fine. But then when it's, when they need an inning out of him in a three run game, even is he, you know, can he limit damage? Can he give an extra out or two? That kind of stuff. Um, I think he imploded a couple times last year, which probably made his, his numbers go up. I wasn't like happy to see him go, but I wasn't upset about it either. Okay. Sounds like he'll fit in, you know, <laughs> got the stuff, but can he put it together? Sometimes he implodes. Yep. <laughs> this, here's another one for you. This, I mean, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. Like I think he, I don't know if he's got a closer profile. I'd have to look at his pitches, but like, I would think his ceiling is seventh or eighth inning guy at some point in his career if he can figure it out. All right. Thank you for the scouting report that has been brought to you by Roberto Montessori. <laughs> <laughs> my my Mitch- takeaway from just the roster construction is um, top ten offense. Top 15 rotation. Top 20 bullpen. <laughs> and now this is the big one. Top 30 defense. <laughs> that's kind of, but I know it sounds like a joke, but honestly, that's kind of where I've been seeing them slot in. The rotation, I'd, I said top 15. I could go better than that, but I just – those five are not going to be the only five to start games. And that's 
that's going to be the issue, I think. Then you're talking about whether it's Bailey Falter, um, you know, whoever the, the long men are that we're looking at, you know, it, it doesn't sound like Nick Nelson is that, but is it a Christopher Sanchez? I don't know. But are those guys who are getting starts on this team? Eh, or do we call somebody else up, which is probably more likely, you know, if, if not Bailey Falter, then, then calling somebody up from AAA. But that is the concern for me. It's it's Zach Eflin's knees. It's who is that sixth guy who gets plugged in there, Mitch? I agree with you. Uh, Falter has to be a, one of the worst bullpen pitcher names. It's just really unfortunate. Well, there's not a lot of guys whose last name is Success. <laughs> so it's one of those things where. Well, you know, but the Yankees had a guy. I think he's, he's probably yep. still moving around. Jonathan yep, I know Holder. Where you're going. Jonathan Holder is like. You can't get better than that. Well, Jonathan Closer would probably be a little better. Okay. Jonathan uh, Shutout. Right. Jonathan starts the game, goes completely <laughs> shutty. All right. Why don't we move on? Mitch, we've walked through much of the roster, but one thing we haven't discussed yet is the uh, newly minted DH slots on this squad. And I was curious. We have quite a few candidates for the designated hitter spot in the lineup, and I, I, I was curious your thoughts. Um, if I was manager, is that what you're asking? We should be so lucky. Okay, uh, Tereus. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> a man after Girardi's heart. No, I mean... I, I noticed that the official depth chart has the, the the big five listed as the DHs, which doesn't mean much, but uh, you know, so that would be Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, Hoskins, Romuto. I I'm sure it's gonna be a rotation of sorts, but I think your main day to day has to be one of Castellanos or Schwarber, just because of the outfield positioning. Like I don't think Bryce wants to or should move out of the everyday right field role um, and just be a DH. I, I just don't think that's his game at this point in his career or what he wants out of baseball. So I don't see that happening. And then, um, you know, Hoskins' replacement will be Bohm, but if you don't have to have Bohm in the lineup playing third, I don't know that they're going to want him in the lineup you know, considering the other bats they have. And similarly with Romuto, if if he's not going to play catcher, that means you have stubs in your lineup. And do you really want to take, uh, you know, do you really want to take the those the other potential DH out of out of the game by having Romuto take that spot and then benching one of Schwarber or Castellanos? I don't think you want to do that. With the bats that we have, it it would feel wrong to all. It's going to happen. Obviously, I, I'm not naive enough to think that, but it would almost feel wrong to not have one of those five guys be that person in the lineup. Like to give it to somebody else would need to be situational, at best. I, I don't know. It. I I get Stubbs with with Real Muto, you know, needing that sort of a thing, but anybody else just feels like. To your point about Boehm, I really strongly agree. There shouldn't be a lot of guys getting a ton of. Uh, looks at that spot besides those big five can we just go back to Girardi 
Girardi's only season with the Phillies where he got to use the DH, and that was the shortened 2020 season. Let's go for a little trivia time breakdown of who he put in as his DH in the 2020 season. Uh, so the 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 list is going to be starts at DH. Who had the most starts at DH? So do you know? I have what do I have the top? I have the top seven listed here, but Gord, can you, can you throw a dart here and, and come up with the 2020 Phillies who started the most games at DH? Shot in the dark. Uh, I'm going to say, may he uh, rest in peace out in Milwaukee, Andrew McCutcheon. Boom. Number one, McCutcheon started 16 games at DH, so 16 of the 60. Hey. He was the leader. Um, <laughs> you will, you will definitely name guys number four and five on this list, but I doubt you will guess two and three. It and it's egregious looking back at it. For me, it's an age thing. That's that's what I recall from from this. Um, I'm trying to remember. What about like a like a like Phil Goslin. <laughs> Heavy hitter Phil Goslin coming in at the number two <laughs> spot. Second most DH starts for the season for not the Phillies. Yeah, not not barrels, Phil Goslin. Um I you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna draw this out. What about like no, because DD played regular shortstop, so it wasn't him. What about um I don't know. What about JT? Did JT have any at-bats there? JT and Harper both uh, came in around fourth and fifth on the list. Or Andrew But Nett. the number three that you're missing is one Jay Bruce. Oh, I forgot about Jay Bruce. I almost and feel what bad. That? I don't, but wow. I mean, of course. forgettable. The Jay Bruce Truly. era feels like it was years and years ago, and that kind of sums up the... I don't want to say the Girardi tenure because it's been, it's truly been so short, but like already there's, there's such forgettable moments and games from just a couple of years ago, kind of sad, but also a little bit hopeful because you think this is going to be, this 2022 team is going to be the new standard for the, for the era. I would say this era of Phillies baseball is going to be based on the roster that we have going from this year forward. I'm gonna have Jay Bruce with a lusty 198 that year. <laughs> Brutal. I'm gonna have uh, some prop bets about this topic a little bit later, so I'm interested to hear how you think the left side of the infield, like what's that gonna look like on a on a weekly basis. I mean, early indications are pointing to because of the number of games in the number of days next to the idea that it's been a shortened spring is that we're going to see a rotating cast of the left side of the infield. We're going to see Bohm. We're going to see Stott. We're going to see Gregorius. We're going to probably see some level of Camargo over there, too, because they want to allow, allow guys to kind of stretch out, you know, get ready for the season ahead. Um, I don't. 
I think it's going to be a timeshare. I don't think it's going to be quite a hot hand situation in April, May. I could see it in June taking taking you know that direction. Um, the the hot take right now in Philadelphia is that Bryson Stott is going to ascend. The Bryce Harper roommate is going to uh, you know take the throne, and I, I don't know what happens with Didi if he just fades into the background or what, or if he plays third and Bone just disappears from the radar. But um, Bryson Stott's the hottest name in the in the club right now. I would say in terms of popular players or popularity. So I I would like to see a timeshare between Bohm and Stott at third and Gregorius until he proves otherwise at shortstop. Mitch, I don't know what you would have to say about that. No, the, the, I, I mean, I think, I think if Didi can return to any type of form and Stott can, can be what we think he will be, and as you know, I don't think his glove is going to be an issue at third compared to what we have over there in Boom. So I mean, I I think personally, I, just from looking at like, oh, I'm excited about the Phillies season. From that perspective, I I'm kind of hoping it's Didi back in his, uh, you know, returning to form as I said, and then stop taking over at third base, swinging some good wood. I mean, that's what I would love to see. Uh, I just I'm just not sure if that's even in the cards at this point. Um, I think we'll see a lot of Camargo more than people are probably expecting, and that's just sheerly due to the fact that he is a true infield utility player. He is listed at, at uh, you know, on the depth chart at all four infield positions, and um, just you know, injuries, days off, things like that. We're going to see plenty of him in kind of a Torres type role, I would think, this year. And I think he's a he's an upgrade from Torres there, you know, despite not having the, uh, you know, the highly coveted favor of Joe Girardi necessarily. But like Camargo in 2018, which is now already four years ago, which is nuts. But like he put in a pretty solid campaign over what was a full season. He got a lot of ABs that year. Um, you know, he was uh, he was a strong player for Atlanta, and I think. If he gets that type of regular time, it won't be, you know, 140-some games. But I do think that, um, to me, he actually is an interesting piece of this roster where not that we're going to go up and down successfully or, or, you know, otherwise based on Johan Camargo. But I am curious to see how he fares in kind of pinch hit situations or, or, you know, taking those substitutions late in games when we need him. Yeah, absolutely. I have the same thoughts. Just thinking, you know, he he put together a great campaign in what, what you said, 2018, I think. And I was surprised at the direction mm-hmm. the Braves went, though uh, not going to fault them for any of their personnel decisions they made leading up t- through the end of last season. Uh, and that's last, why I make last the episode would would beg to differ about your. Uh, I said the they pulled all the right had. strings. Okay, I said they pulled the right strings. That's all I'll give them, and then promptly let their franchise face walk this offseason. So I'm not sure what to think of their front office at the moment. But anyway, that's that's what I'd like to see out of Camargo. But, um, you know, there's no guarantees there. It's been, like you said, f- <laughs> what, four years ago. That's a lot to expect him to, to uh, get back to that level of play at this point. He's played in a total of 50 games over the past two seasons. So... We'll see what this guy has. 
So brought in Castellanos and Schwarber, among others, which were good moves, or I shouldn't say good. They were moves that you guys feel good about. We're looking at the depth chart now. Do you wish that they made different moves or additional moves? Yeah, I mean, my... So I have like, you know, you, you when you're when you're in high school and you're like trying to think about going to college, you got to set that reach school, right? That that one that's like you think you, you might not be able to get accepted there, but you're going to try anyway uh, to set the bar for yourself, see what you got. So for me, that signing would have been Carlos Correa. <laughs> I never thought the Phillies really had a shot in that running, but that would have been the, the reach signing for me. And chances are that you'll get another offseason to hope for that. Yeah, it's looking that way. Gord, what do you think? I mean, I, I agree with Mitch. The, the the Korea situation with the Twins is super weird. We'll see what comes of that uh, in a year from now or less. But for me, you know, you just saw the Padres sign like a Manea this past week. If you could swap out Kyle Gibson who's like 34 for somebody who just had some upside. Um, I think that for me transforms this from a playoff contender to somebody who's like, Hey, mess with us on the, on the right week. And we're going to take four of seven from you. Um, So that, that to me would have been the real difference there is, you know, what it allows you to kind of mess with Ranger or the fifth starter and kind of bump them um, and, and be really kind of sneaky dangerous in a seven games serious if we had that legit fifth arm sixth arm to bolster the rotation uh, in the event of an injury and, and we just don't have that depth right now so that's that to me was where I would like to have seen us go was a starting pitcher but um, you know we were we were fortunate to see the luxury tax threshold surpassed let alone uh, messed with I mm-hmm. I'm hopeful for the deadline to some degree I think it makes me a little bit more hopeful in the sense that they're already there money wise so um, let's just go for it but a lot of water under the bridge in between now and then are you guys more worried about uh, the defense or starting pitcher depth for me it's a starting pitcher depth um, yeah, it is. It, it is for me, too. I mean, Dombrowski, I'm pretty sure, brought over. If he didn't bring them over, we simultaneously brought the head athletic trainer over from the Boston Red Sox at the same time. Um, you know, this guy, it, I, my understanding of that, not to get too deep into the weeds, but, like, it takes more than one season to develop a strength and conditioning program, to have your practices in terms of athletic training set in. I think the proof's going to be in the pudding a little bit of this year and next year. If this guy can keep some of our – chronic injury is chronic injury, but if he can keep some of that little stuff out of this clubhouse, um, that's going to be a really big deal for us. And it doesn't mean you have to fix Eflin's knees, but it does mean that you know shoulders and elbows and, and these 10-day stints, if we can avoid some of those, that's going to be a difference maker for us here in 2022. And Shout maybe that's something Paul to boo height. maybe that's something to keep uh, an eye on um, in terms of trade stuff as well. Very true. Well, I definitely don't have my 
well, I, I should say, I sadly don't have my first trip to Citizens Bank Park planned yet for this year. It's in the works. Okay, many people have been calling me, calling my agent, you know, everything, trying to get something set up. And we will. We'll get something set up. But to this, to this date, I don't have tickets yet, although I've been hearing some buzz about some new things down at the ballpark. Andrew, get a load of this. You know the big Liberty Bell? Like, not yeah. the real one. I'm not, I'm not talking about the real one. <laughs> I, I know the, about both. Not the boring one. I'm talking about the big light-up one at the Philly Stadium. Yeah, it it uh, it goes back and forth when the when the Phillies hit a home run. Yes, except apparently it didn't because it was, like, broken and the lights didn't work. And I, I hadn't been catching on to this, but apparently it was very spotty as to whether or not it would work for, for a oh, while wow. now. Well, anyway, no more of that. They've fixed it to the tune of 26,000 new lights put on that thing. And they put a new hydraulic system on it to help it move. And uh, while I appreciate the Phillies' investment in that, I only wish that we could have gotten a new hydraulic system for Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> that is crazy, though. Yeah, pretty cool. And not not the only new, uh, new thing at the park. We got two new food spots to hit on. One is called Colby's Southern Kissed chicken what a name that is uh partially in uh funded or what you know one of the investors in that company is ryan howard one of my favorite guys uh definitely my kissed? favorite <laughs> southern kissed chicken so i'm not sure exactly what that means but i think i need to try it how's colby spelled c-o-l-b-i-e okay is that a that's a female spelling, right? Well, Andrew, let's not go there. This I is a baseball know. podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you can know that. Yeah. Um, I see. Yeah. But, but why anyway, are, it's... why are they kissing the chicken? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is it like, is it like kissed by a southerner or, or is is kissed like a like sun kiss is that describing the method by which it's cooked i'm not sure i'm intrigued plenty right you're gonna go check it out it's brilliant marketing yeah and i heard ryan northeast (laughs) absolutely if if you're hesitant of the south just a kiss of that don't worry (laughs) if you want just a real just a real hog fest of the Northeast. Come on down here, but just a kiss of the South on this chicken. So don't worry about that. I don't know. I don't. If that, that can't be what it means. We'll see. Uh, I heard Howard's going to be around the park more uh, in light of this. So I'm hoping to uh, possibly catch a glimpse of him there. That would be pretty cool because that, that's my guy. You know, despite everything, that that's still my guy. Um, Nothing is not to, loyal. That's right. That's me. You guys know me. The uh, the other food place that they've implemented is uh, Jersey Shore. Favorite or not favorite, depending who you ask, brings up a lot of strong feelings. But that is Manco and Manco Pizza coming to Ashburn Alley. Um, it is likely that the price points would be pretty taxing on the wallet. So uh, if you're trying to save money, you'll do best to evade them. Uh, Altogether. Wow. Trip advisor me. Sure. Yeah, seriously. I avoid at all costs if you want to go to another Phillies game later on this season because that's going to be a $40 pizza and uh, it's not going to be that good. 
hate to tell you. It's a, it's a money grab for me by Manco and Manco, and that really just is consistent with the brand. Thank you for coming to Gordon's Jersey Shore Corner. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be the end of that segment. I need you to do a bonus episode from the boardwalk this summer, Gord. Uh, you can bank on that. Our that's, answer to the... the uh, use that? Our answer to the one-bite pizza review. Everybody knows the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as we... Uh, as we move towards the waning parts of our episode, we've got a couple important things to do to finish out the preview in keeping with with the tradition of last year. And the first of those is that I need to hear your guys' X-Factors for this season. Oh, man. There's, like, the season hinges on, hinges on so many people. But to pick one this year... I'm going with my boy, my number one Phillies boy, Reese Hoskins. Uh, and the reason why I see him as the X Factor this year is because this is his this is his year to show is he going to be among the elite bats of the MLB or is he going to be a you know a replacement level first baseman destined for the DH slot. Uh, you know, he can kind of define that for himself this year, uh, which will then also, I think, in turn dictate his future with the Phillies uh, because, you know, he's either going to need a pretty big payday to, you know, to stay here or he's going to go make his money somewhere else. Because he's you know, got, his... he's got one more year after this, right? I'm thinking this is, this is his last year of team control. Now I'm not positive on that. So don't quote me. It's not like I, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm on a Phillies podcast or anything, but <laughs> but for that reason, I think it's an important year for him and therefore for the team. Permission to submit a take on your X Factor submission, there, Mitch. Granted. <laughs> Thank you. I pray that Reese ascends the throne as you have portrayed for us. However, the take is, if come July, Reese has been quite cold, I am going to predict, and hope for actually, I will hope for this, if he performs this way, that he gets traded before the deadline. What? What are you saying? I'm, listen, listen, listen. I don't want him to go anywhere. I want him to succeed. I want him to succeed. I'm just saying he's going to be 30 in 2023. He's an undesignated free agent in 2024. Next year, 2023, is arbitration year three for him, right? I am of the opinion that it would be good to move on from Reese at that position, given the fact that we are, you know, as you just said earlier, this is our squad. I know it's a little bit of a spicy take for the pot here. I'm saying it's it's a crapper get off the pot season for Reese. I'm agreeing with you, just in a different way. I don't want your way. Uh, so <laughs> I revoke my permission grant. I just Andrew, looked it up. He does go back and just delete all of it. Yeah, yeah, I'll clean it up in editing. I looked, he does have one more uh, year after this of team control. 
So you're saying it would be basically ludicrous to try to trade him. Why would that be ludicrous? Yes, thank. Well, because they're just not going to do it because <laughs> Reese Hoskins is a Philly Philly's mainstay. He's a great guy. He belongs on the team. Well, value's not going any higher if he's not performing well. So, but it's in the eye of the beholder at this point. Bill Belichick would trade him. Okay, <laughs> we don't need to dwell on that. Speaking of boomer coaches. <laughs> Fill me in with a hint of ageism. Uh, I'm going to go with my X Factor, who... Now, let me segue. Andrew, you mentioned one Nicholas. I don't actually know if he's Nicholas. We're just going to call him Nick. You mentioned Nick Nelson earlier. He is not by any means my X Factor. But can you tell me what critical addition to the Phillies ball club in 2022 directly relates to your New York Yankees? Oh boy, not Nick Don't Nelson. Don't think too hard. Not Nick Nelson. It's a little bit of a trick question, and you got to go back a little bit of a ways. Uh, I got nothing. It's a little convoluted, but stick with me here, boys. Phillies hitting coach Kevin Long. Ah, uh, okay. The hitting Dang, coach on that. the 2019 Washington Nationals World Series champs also. And no sour grapes, nothing like that. Listen, I'm not that mad. I'm a little mad, not a lot mad. He was also the hitting coach from the 2009 New York Yankees World Championship. Please bleep that out. Yeah, if you could censor that, that'd be great. Just the 2009 section. Did someone say Hideki Matsui? Uh, yuck. Here's an article from the New York Times that was written in 2010, titled "As New York's Most Valuable Repair Man." Long revives struggling hitters. And let me tell you, this is what leads me then into my X factor for the 2022 season, who is Alec Bohm. Kevin Long, come June 30, is going to have had enough time with Alec Bohm to revive the player that was once number two in the Rookie of the Year standings. Who batted 338 over the course of 44 games, Alec Bohm. He then descended. He deigned down to 247 last year and had a miserable year. He's coming back. He's my X Factor. If Alec Bohm is able to respond well to coaching, be coachable, make improvements, and then just do the necessary things bit by bit to be our everyday third baseman, that's going to give. Stott, the ability to improve on his own appropriate timetable. It's going to make us the best version of this team possible. Limit the number of times we have to see anybody named Camargo or Torres or anybody else. And it then delivers on a hometown guy in Bone that we need really badly. So he's my X Factor. Mitch. And Kevin Long is going to be the key to making that a thing. Let me cut in here because I want to give you a chance to, to, uh, respond the way that Gord responded to your X Factor. However, this directly relates to the first prop bet. And so I'd like to present that before you before you comment. The first well, first I'll just introduce what we're doing here. I as uh, I, clueless what was it? Clueless clueless and interested. <laughs> yep. Um 
have set, I don't know, five or six prop bets regarding the Phillies for these guys to um, make their bets on. We'll follow them throughout the year and see how they finish out. The first prop bet, which is on this topic, is Alec Bohm number of games played at third. And I've set the line at 98. He played 114 last year, and both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference are uh, projecting him for between 105 and 120. Over. It's an over for me, baby. My my initial thought is under, and that was, you know, that's that was just what came into my head when you get, when you laid the number out there. It felt like an under to me. They've shown that they're not afraid to send him down. Like they did at the end of last season, and like they nearly did uh, before the rosters were set for this season. So I'm going under on this one. All right, anything else there, or should I hit you with the next one? Hit me. Kyle Schwarber home runs. The line is 31 and a half. He's had um, a couple seasons over that in the past four or five years. Um, he's had a couple seasons below. Last year, he hit 32 in 113 games, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah, I'm going over. <laughs> that's easy. For me, yeah, I am for me, that's easy over. <laughs> Some of you it's might say you know baseball. You might say under, and you might have your reasons. I say over. That's just me. That's me. I say over. <laughs> it's him. Staying with the theme of new additions, this is a little bit of a nerdy prop bet. Nick Castellanos OPS. Okay. I'm setting the line at 871. In the past four seasons, he's gone 850, 860, 780, and then last year was 930. And the line is 871. I'm going to go again with my gut. When you said it, I, I, I felt like an under to me. That's no slight on him. It's, that would be... A great season provided he doesn't miss it by too much, but it just felt like an under to me, just what it felt like. All right, well we're just against each other right now, Mitch. I'm going over. He's gonna he's gonna he's not gonna he's gonna be right on. The line's a really good line. He's gonna beat it. The interesting thing that I found is you know, obviously <clears throat> there's gonna be some correlation between batting average and OPS in general, but his is actually really strongly correlated so batting average while it's sort of fallen away from being the favorite metric um seems like it is an indicator for him the three years that he or the you know he like i said he ops 850 860 780 the batting averages for those four years were something like 300 295 205 and then last year he was like 310, 315 or something like that. So it seems like he he's not just a three true outcome guy. I haven't admittedly I haven't watched a ton of him, so I didn't I don't really know what to expect, but he seems like he's gonna put the ball in play and batting average is actually gonna be something to watch. Um I'll say this. I am speaking of what kind of guy I am, just who I am, 
I am not a ballpark factor guy by any means. Uh, I don't care, really. But I will say I'm pretty sure Cincinnati's up there as one of the uh, most hitter-friendly parks, right? It is, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm not. that was not influencing my decision. But now that, Gordon, you've pitted us against each other here, mm. you know, taking opposite sides, I'm going to use that to my advantage in arguing this. I mean, and CBP now is not very far behind the Reds. Now both, but it's, free, but it's behind. Would you see that it's still behind? <laughs> all right. All right. Next one, Andrew. <laughs> okay. If you thought the last one was nerdy, wait for this one. Aaron Nola, home runs per nine innings. The line, well, I'll give context first and then the line. The past three years, he's been over 1.1 home runs per nine. I think it's like 1. 1.2, 1.15, 1. 1.3 the past three seasons. He was at 0. 0.7 in 2018 when he was third in the Cy Young voting. I'll set the line at 1.09. So the question is really, are these past three years of giving up the home runs is that going to continue is that who he is or can he get this figured out and by the way wheeler was 0.68 last year um just i'm i i think i'm going over even though i expect a nola to buck the trend here in terms of his recent year's performances i still go over though because i think even when he's on when he's not heard and when, when things are going normal for him, I'll say. I still think he's that type that I don't know if it's running out of gas or what, but towards the later innings is susceptible to the home run ball. And it seems like time and time again, that's just the story of his games, even if they don't lead to uh, like a, a blown lead or, or a loss. It just seems the way that his outings end is he gets uh, an untimely extra base hit allowed in the 6th or the 7th, uh, even when things have been going good to that point. Anyway, all that to say, I'm going over. I'm going to also take the over here, and that is strictly out of a place of reverse juju. So that's going to just be wishing him all the best. I think uh, I agree with Mitch, even though yeah. this episode wouldn't lead everybody to believe <laughs> that would be the case. I think Sound decision-making. Uh, he's going to... Yeah, whatever. He's going to buck the trend. He is going to still be over that number. I think it's part of his DNA, sadly. All right, and my last one is um, regarding the bullpen, and it's about saves. Will any one pitcher in the bullpen save more than uh, – sorry, I'll say it this way. 16 and a half saves is the line. Will the pitcher with the most saves on the Phillies this year be above or below 16 and a half? Uh, here's your context. Last year, your leader was Naris with 12, Kennedy with 10, Alvarado with 5, et cetera, et cetera, and 36 total saves. My logic here with this one is under. Uh, given the context and given this team, it's going to be a little bit of feast or famine. We're not going to have a lot of save situations, and no one's going to prove themselves to be in the position long enough to get 17 total saves. So I'm going under because it's going to be either big wins or uh, big losses for us Phils this year. I'm going to go over. I see your point on big wins, big losses, but... Uh, even more so, I think 
the better offense means more consistency, which means we'll be in more games. And if that bullpen holds, that'll mean more save situations to be had. Uh, you know, and I'm going to assume that we're not going to trade for a new closer partway through the year as, as we did last year. Yeah, you can't assume that for this purpose. All those to, all, all that to say, I'll go over on the saves. All right, and the last prop bet regarding the Phillies season. Phillies babies born this year, this season. I'll set the line at 2.5. They have to regress to the mean. They must regress. Yeah, they have to. I I can't pretend to know what the mean (laughs) number of babies born to a team in a season is. (laughs) That number can be found out. I don't know by who, but that that feels high. What was the last year? Four? Dude, I think it was more than four, dude. I think it was (laughs) five or six. I think it's oh man. I think it's less. I think we have guys who are either before that season of life or they just cranked out a kid this past year and so we're we're on a we're on a we're on an off year. So I'm going under two and a half. I'm th- I'm thinking under two and let's end this prop bet on a cordial note between me and you, Gord. Let's agree on the under. I like this. Feels good. Feels right. Well, not that I don't love gambling, but uh, I don't want to dwell on that for too long. Uh, Phils have got one more spring training game. It is against the Tampa Bay Rays. That is tomorrow, April 6th, uh, following what is going to be. Guys traveling to their respective assignments on Thursday, and then Phils opening day, Friday, versus Oakland Athletics, NOLA taking the mound. Uh, and that's this is how we start the season. We have three versus the A's, three at home versus the Mets, both of those series at home, and then a four-game set at the Marlins. We are opening up with seven of our first ten within the division. Uh, episode two, we dropped it right here before opening day. Hopefully when we come back together, we're going to have a number of games to work off of. We get to see this exciting, frankly, pretty new team come together in the early going. Um I think we're going to have a couple of dubs here. Mitch, you got a prediction for the first 10? I'm going to say we're taking six of those 10. Yeah, six is the easy one to say. I won't be mad at five. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised at seven. That new team chemistry coming together, riding it to uh, some flashy wins to start the season. I think I'm just going to throw down at seven of 10 right here. Well, you called my choice basic pretty much, so I, I don't really know what to say to you. I thought we were on a cordial note, but here we are. Anyway, that being said, it's either going to be six or seven. We're taking that many. And you know what? If we can win six of ten all season, that's a good sign. As always, thanks to everyone for listening. You can subscribe to Fill Me In wherever you get your podcasts. All of our past and future episodes, links to our social media accounts, and our merch store can all be found at our website, fillmeinpod.com that is p-h-i-l meinpod.com so for myself for mitch and for andrew this has been fill me in we're out of here out of here